0: This is Aspire, Arch Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship.
1: My name is Anne Ulysio, Director of Special Projects for Art Street Press, and I will be your host today. Today our guest is Andrew Mangino, CEO and co-founder of The Future Project, a network of schools, administrators, students, and appointed dream directors who are fostering students' inherent passions and inspiring those students to make their dreams a reality andrew's idea is transforming our education system by addressing the disengagement and apathy common in low-income schools across across the country through the work of these dream directors who mentor and train their students they connect the schools to to the community at large and they act as catalysts for students and their peers to bring their own future projects to life since its founding in two thousand eleven the future project has expanded to fifty schools in seven states and has empowered more than 25,000 students to create their own future projects based on their passions and who they hope to be. Andrew's devotion to empowering youth has received widespread attention, garnering him recognition as an Ashoka Fellow, a Marshall Scholar, and one of Forbes' 30 Under 30 social entrepreneurs. He graduated magna cum laude from Yale with a degree in political science, then began working in the White House as a speechwriter for Attorney General Eric Holder, as well as Vice President Joe Biden, before he partnered up with his co-founder, Kanya Balakrishna, to launch the Future Project. So Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you with us today.
2: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to be on. Great.
1: So Andrew, you've been a mover and a shaker since you were just a child, and <laughs> I, I read at the age of five you actually started your very own neighborhood newspaper and kept it running for the next three years. And following that in high school, you sort of brought about a renaissance for the school newspaper that had a huge impact on the school's free speech policy. Then in college, your turn at the helm as editor in chief of the Yale Daily News involved completely reimagining the focus and approach of the newspaper. And later on, as I said before, you were involved in speechwriting campaigns for two major U.S. political figures. So, what did these initial and early experiences teach you about how to bring about profound change in your environment?
2: Yeah, well, for, first of all, thank you so much uh, for that amazingly uh, flattering bio. I think, um, you know, one thing that strikes me, I mean, goes to your question, but also a reaction is, is you know, all these cases, I was definitely, um, uh, you know, in, in, in a leadership role, you know, driving, driving a lot of this change, but in no, none of the cases was it done without a team of people. Um. Even the even my um. It's funny. My high school. The my the newspaper that I made when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. The person who used to draw, my, my friend who was also about five years old. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, all the illustrations for the newspaper is now the creative director at the Future Project. Uh, oh 20. wow! So that's you know, great. That, nothing I've I've done has been without a group of people, and I think that's been a principle that we have brought into the Future Project. You know, I think sometimes in the world of social entrepreneurship, the idea of the the founder with the big idea is a little bit overrated. You know, I think it does take an entrepreneurial leader um, to to drive change, but I think that's only because at their best they're unlocking the leadership in others. And so I think that's gonna be the number one thing that I've learned throughout all these experiences. I think the other is, that, that informs what we do is, is is pretty simple that, you know, a young person actually is capable of, once they find that passion, once that fire is lit, Um, of making really amazing change, certainly more than they thought they could. And that, you know, a lot of the moments that you just brought me back to, those were, those were aha moments in my life where I, you know, had a dream and I went for it. I realized in the course of doing that, um, in the course of, you know, the impossible becoming possible that, you know, um, you know, there just are no, there is no such thing as limits. It's not even about breaking limits. It's just all an illusion. And that's the same. You know, revelation that we are determined to inspire in as many young people as possible, um, because I think uh, I think that's that once you discover that you, you can't turn back once you discover that, you know, you're flying uh, for the rest of your life. There's no reason to turn back at that point.
1: Hmm. Great insight. Thank you for sharing that. So obviously, with these previous experiences, you've been no stranger either to challenging the status quo across the board. So, what was what was it specifically about education that really spoke to you and incited your passion to uh, to found the Future Project along with Kanya?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was. Um, you know, it's it's the Future Project is clearly, of course, in an education box, but. It never for me occurred as education, I must say you know it, early on, it was just a series of experiences that I had, whether it was you know as you brought up this wild experience I had in high school, working with so many of my friends to build a high school newspaper that you know was at, at one point you know about a hundred students in our school of about eight hundred people and was just kind of thriving and so many people were part of it and finding their passion through the newspaper and then we had this you know censorship dispute that t- taught us so much about the way the world works and 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 then my experiences in the New Haven Public Schools um, as a reporter for the Yale Daily News writing about students um, and their lives and the feelings that they had when they you know um, went to school and felt you know not not fully engaged or teachers with big ideas who didn't know what to do about them like none of these these were stories these were stories and experiences about people. And I think that's what has always appealed to me about education is that it is about, at its essence, people. It's full it's it's a system full of people at such a critical, formative, exciting moment in their lives. And I think we've um, I think what, what what I realized you know over time, but especially this one moment where I was working with a student in, in Washington, DC and, you know, um, uh, mentoring him and, and I asked him what his dream was. there was I was told to help him get into college. Uh, and he told me he had never been asked that question before. Mm-hmm. you know I, I think that that was a that was a real aha moment again, because it was a click for me about how we have by no fault of anyone in particular, I think lost sight of the fact that education is uh, at its heart supposed to be about people, not process, um, not just methodology and curriculum and standards as important as those things are mm-hmm. but people and that's what excites me about education is is that it's it's the field that is most obsessed with the um, possibility of every person.
1: That's great, and certainly I think going along with that too is, is revitalizing this sense of not only curiosity, but allowing kids to be creative and allowing them to really put their own future in their own hands, which is fantastic that you, in, the, in a position as a journalist, really observed as a from a distance and then saw such a fundamental problem with it that you felt compelled to take action and all these schools that have benefited from the Future Project, I'm sure. Thank you for that as well. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about the problems that kids that are enrolled in these schools in low-income communities are facing, and what, what are the challenges that keep resurfacing in today's education system, along with the ones you had just mentioned?
2: Yeah, um, well, I think, I think you just, you know, sort of hit it on the head. Like, the, the central, I mean, so there, there's this great, I think it's an Einstein quote, that, you know, if you had an hour, to solve a problem he'd spend 55 minutes you know talking about the I'm sure I'm butchering this quote but 55 minutes um thinking about the problem and only 5 minutes thinking about the solution. Mm. So um you know it's a really important question you're asking uh, in particular because I think that we've been misframing the problem um with education and that young people are facing pretty um persistently over the past several decades since the you know the nation at risk report came out in the late 80s and, and even before then because we assume that the problem um, and of course I'm overgeneralizing to some degree but I think the national dialogue at least sort of would suggest that the problem is that students are um, you know not, not achieving um, at, at a high enough standard and I think I think what we have found that regardless of the incredible um, you know struggles that so many students with whom we work face at home something really changes when you are inspired and you are respected as a creator, um, as a creative force, um, not just as someone to receive a regurgitated curriculum that was invented for a very different era. When you start to really um, treat a young person as if they are um, capable, which they are, of of being a force of change in the world, Um, when you challenge them through very tangible ways like building projects, connecting their classwork with the real world, um, whatever it might be, um, inspiring their peers, becoming leaders, you know, it, it, it suddenly, something shifts, um, within them and they realize that they're not, they're not a recipient of circumstance. They can actually, you know, um, change the world around them. And so I think the problem in education today that we see with so many young people is that they have forgotten that they are capable of such amazing creative acts. Um, uh, and, and because of that, when they do face all the many problems that vary, um, uh, you know, in their, in their homes and, and beyond, they don't realize that they can actually be the ones to do something about it. Um, and, uh, so I think that's, I think that's one really important insight that we've had over the years. But I think also, um, you know, that the, it, it, we have also recognized that there is a baseline level of stability that a young person needs to even begin to think like that. And it's a real shame that, that so many young people don't have that um, stability, um, mainly because of you know, and e- economic realities. Honestly, mm-hmm. and you know, we're in every high school. Um, we're, we're scaling up into every high school in Detroit right now. We have a dream director in each of them, and um, we're seeing that a lot there. You know that that the, the economy is is so so tough in that city, and that's creating a a very difficult reality for so many students. But you know, at the end of the day, we have to, I think, at the very least, start to you know, look at schools as places that can be reimagined as, um, not just, not just environments through which to learn, you know, academic skills and, um, you know, to get into college or not get into college, but as places where you're going to learn how to live a great life, um, regardless of those circumstances, where you're going to learn how to make change, um, and where you're going to get an amazing, you know, um, cultural experience, um, rather than, you know, facing apathy or disengagement, you know, it's so important that that students, especially when there's a lot of problems in other parts of their lives, are walking into school, and that school is an inspiring, motivating, um, creative place to be. Hmm.
1: In a sense, it's almost creating a positive feedback loop in a way that, like you said, shifting the dialogue and shifting the roles that students play as recipients to shifting that to make them agents of change and um, giving them the sense that, having ownership of an idea will propel them further to achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. And in a sense that, that you know, that it ultimately ties into the economic piece and that by bolstering their ability to recognize their own capabilities that will bolster the community in and of itself and then feed back into this loop. So and at at this age at that age essentially they're so impressionable, so that is the time to jump in, which is the Future Project is doing a wonderful job of doing that. And also I I wanted to touch a little bit on just how the organization ties in different agents of the school system. Teachers are involved, principals are involved, students and community members are involved, and then you have introduced a new element, which is the Dream Director. So who are these Dream Directors specifically, and what is their role, and how are they selected, and what kind of people would you, um, say, characterize the Dream Director as a whole?
2: Yeah, well, no, to, to your point, first of all, like, the the Dream Director has really seen it, we see them as catalysts, and they see themselves as catalysts for activating, you know, um, all the others in the building. We don't go in feeling like we have the answers or that, you know, we, um, uh, you know, the teachers are um not doing their job or anything like that. Um the way we look at it is that everyone in that school has something really powerful to bring and the dream director has to be a powerful force for um uh, you know listening for that and then and then turning that into action. So the dream directors that we look for, I mean we we search the whole country. We have an acceptance rate of less than 1%. We look for inspirational forces of nature, people who have started businesses, been award-winning teachers, um You know, uh, motivational speakers, um, you know, people who have been artists and creative, um, types who, you know, who really have a passion for work and experience working with young people. And it's a very, um, special kind of person that we're looking for. Um, and, uh, you know, as we, as we search for them, we, you know, we bring them through a series of interviews that involve students. And it's often the young people themselves who are able to distinguish who really has the right mindset and skill set to become a dream director. Um, so it's it's a it's a dynamic process, and but we but we want to find a way over time, and it's our it's our commitment to ultimately make it possible for there to be a dream director, you know, accessible to every young person in the country. And so we're constantly asking how to make it even um, more possible for someone to take on that role.
1: Interesting. Are most of these are most of the dream directors people who have had experience in education or working with youth before? Are they coming from all different sectors?
2: Yeah, they 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 all had experience working with young people they might not have had that experience in the context of education and in fact some of them um, deliberately did not go into education or left that field because they feel like it wasn't um, dealing with what young people really needed most in life hmm. but um, you know we also have many teachers who were you know um, award winners in their in their school or the kinds of person you ask a principal who are the two or three or a student who are the two or three teachers in your school who um, you know, have an impact that everyone knows about and feels outside of the classroom, and those are the kinds of people who we're looking for.
1: Interesting.
0: This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal and presented by Art Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. We now return to our Engelvay Under 30 interview with Director of Special Projects, Anne Elizio and Andrew Mangino, co-founder of the Future Project.
1: And what would you say is the, I guess the relationship with, um, between Dream Directors and the school administration, I guess the dyna- the dynamic as you know, there's certainly an aim from both sides to create a positive, safe and inspiring environment for the students. Um, but at first, you know, there's, there's a different approach, obviously. And the reason that the future project is in that school is because the, the traditional approach of education was not um, essentially not producing the best results. So, um, how would you characterize that dynamic between the dream directors and the school administration?
2: It's a very positive and, you know, constructive and, um, you know, feeling of being on the same team. Um, the dream director, you know, is completely part of the community. Um, it it does not work. It's not good if you know someone shows up just one day a week or just after school or anything like that and then expects to make any any really meaningful change. So the dream director is there at the day, start of the school day. they leave at the end. They are devoted, you know um, to becoming a part of the community, but not necessarily part of the system, mm. which is actually a really powerful um, you know line that 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 they can that they can tow, and that's that's helpful to the principal often you know, who who really appreciates the chance to work with someone who is, um, who has a set of ideals and that is consistent with their own, um, but is ultimately, you know, not accountable to the existing system, um, but is accountable only to young people in that school. And so that's a, that's a, it actually creates a very healthy, healthy kind of constructive team feeling.
1: That's great. And how do schools initially get involved? Are they tracked f- uh, from Future Project uh, staff or um, and then you know the Future Project would suggest collaboration or do schools apply for involvement? How does that work out?
2: Um, yeah, we, I mean we have schools all across the country who are who have come to us, uh, hundreds of them, and um, so we have like a, a waiting list actually, but wow. you know at this point the dream that our, our schools are being really Brought to us by students in many cases and by teachers and principals who have heard about this by word of mouth. And, um, and that's been a, a really interesting shift over the last couple of months. Um, so we're really excited about, about the fact that there's so much, so much good, it's a good problem to have that there is so much demand. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately we're looking for the intersection of places where there's a great deal of need, where there is an opportunity for, um, there to be, you know, a, a really strong relationship and partnership. Um, where the where the leadership team in the school really gets this and buys into this, um, and also a place that can teach us something, so that we can you know ultimately get to that day where there's a dream director in every school. That's going to require us that we that we um, expose ourselves to as many different kind of environments as we can.
1: That's great. Can you tell us a little bit about what a day would look like for a dream director? You know, they're working with so many different people in the school. Obviously, you know, focuses on students, but like you said, there's this very open and collaborative creative relationship with the administration so from the start of the day to the end of the day what would they be tackling throughout throughout the afternoon?
2: Sure so the um, the dream director would you know is always thinking about ways to bring the school experience more alive so you might walk into school as a student and see this dream director you know um, uh, playing you know music or something to just to just lighten the day and to get people excited, but most importantly, the dream director would be asking questions. The dream director is constantly pulling students aside, asking them what they've done to forward their dreams, to think about their passions. I mean, it's like, you know, any time in the hallway, you might get, uh, like one of our dream directors says, pulled over by the possibility police uh, <laughs> to, to sort of, uh, um, you know, ask you, challenge you to, to not just talk about what you're interested in and what you're what your future might hold, but actually to take action now, to build something, to create something, to go recruit a friend, to take on a challenge. Um, so the dream director is constantly asking questions, pulling students aside. They're trained in the art of how to have like a five to ten minute conversation and to turn that conversation into something that could change that student's life for a very long time. But in addition, the dream director is working throughout the day and, you know, if this was, you know, once or twice a week with a core group of students, um, who they call their dream team. These are, these are students who are, Devoted to um, being dream directors in essence themselves, they they are um, they are really looking to help their peers, um, you know, unlock their their passions and their purpose and believe in themselves. And so the dream director is spending a lot of time with that dream team, maybe after school, um, taking them on all kinds of adventures, having workshops and classes and doing rigorous leadership training. Um, but the dream director is also doing um, other kinds of workshops and sessions. That ultimately can reach people throughout the whole school. So we might take over the entire school for a day, or have an after-school session that brings together about 200 students, you know, to talk about to get to get started on a project, or um, you know, initiate a major school change initiative. Uh, dream directors are constantly thinking about how to work with the faculty to try some new, some new and exciting, pioneering ways of bringing bringing inspiration to the whole school experience. So. So on all levels, the dream director is constantly working, but they're also, you know, being very organized and deliberate about how they spend time, so that they're able to maximize the number of people that they serve.
1: Hmm, that's great, and I love that quote they that used before. The part of the they're part of the community, but not part of the system. So they're plugging in in so many different ways, but it's still retaining the mission of the future project in a different way. So, um, what are the what different forms have the students' projects taken on? Uh, via the inspiration that they get from these dream directors and their dream teams. Um, Can you give us an example, maybe a couple examples of what you've seen students create or uh, aim to create
2: throughout their experience? So, yeah, so students build, there's hundreds of examples of projects. So students build, you know, campaigns and movements. They build organizations and businesses and clubs. They can build um, products and services. Um, They can also build, you know, um, films or... Um, you know, do, do, documentaries or plays or books, uh, create books. You know, so it, it really varies. We don't we don't prescribe an outcome. We we prescribe a process and let that process do its magic. Um, you know, dream directors specifically can see. You know, will inspire students to build. Um, you know, for example, a student um, started a national um, a national organization to uh, improve the self esteem. Uh, young women, um, oh, wow. called The Perfect Revolution, Perfectly Made. It, 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 there's, there's chapters in high schools all across the country now. Um, a student um, created a peace prize for young people in Newark, New Jersey. Um, you know, a student created a solar panel in San Francisco um, to change the energy patterns in, 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 in his school. Um, you know, a student created a, a, a change initiative in his um, very violent school in, in one of our cities um, where there had been a lot of a lot of incidents, and he said, "You know, we have to start, you know, treating each other with more dignity and ourselves." And so he he got a local suit maker to donate lots of suits, and um, and now uh, Fly Day Fridays is the day that every every uh, guy in the school dresses up in a suit and tie, uh, hmm. just just out of their own their own um, volition. So you know, the, the, it, it, you can never imagine what these students will come up with, but they're big ideas, and we teach them a process where they can you know, get really excited about something, see a problem in the world and start to build something that makes that problem, um, you know, translates that problem into a solution and that's that's where the magic happens.
1: So exciting to be a part of that because like you said, there really is no limit to what kids can come up with. They might, they are able to dream big and they should dream big and that can happen um so besides the success of the projects themselves what are the metrics that the future project uses to sort of gauge the the program's efficacy and and ability to reach out to these kids
2: yeah absolutely so we're we're really um actually obsessed with this question of how to measure the things that um you know we all know matter but we don't have you know an easy way sometimes to measure them mm-hmm. um so so you know we we look at things through um the axis of, of will, skill, and thrill. So the, the will metrics have, have to do with they can play out in terms of, for example, attendance, um, you know, or, um, uh, you know, truancy and, and graduation rate going up in terms, of, in other words, indicators that people are more motivated to be in school, um, and to, and to actually care about learning, but we, We far more, you know, are are measuring things like the non-cognitive, as they call non-cognitive skills, like you know, passion or zest, intrinsic motivation, grit, self-efficacy, growth mindset. We're we're measuring the number of hours students spend on projects, the, um, the, you know, the success of their um, perseverance as they take on their projects. So that's that's kind of one area of of, uh, metrics. Another is the skills. So we're looking at creativity and curiosity and verbal and written communication and collaboration, you know, their ability to lead others, to manage others, um, everything that is really essential in the 21st century. And then the the thrill sets of metrics have to do with school culture. So, you know, our students feeling like this school is a place of greater belonging and um, inspiration and engagement. Is it a place where you know, people feel as if they, you know, can count on one another um, rather than a place of division? These sorts of things that that are all about the conditions and the culture. You know, if, as Sir Ken Robinson has said, you know, if the, if the if the garden isn't, you know, you know, plants don't don't just grow on their own. You know, you need great mm. soil, and so um, uh, it's not just about the the individuals being successful. I mean, it's also about the culture, and we want to be able to measure that um, as well. But I think the most important, you know, metric is is the actual. A, the success of the projects and the, and the kind of embodiments of, it. is a student able to actually put their dreams into action mm-hmm. and, um, and do something really powerful? And two, you know, um, asking them years later. I mean, we're, we're most interested in where our alumni are because what we're interested in is not short-term impact. We're interested in something that's going to last them a lifetime.
1: So since 2011, I'd mentioned before that the Future Project has now reached 25,000 students. Uh, astronomical growth in these first couple of years. So, what are the plans um, at this point for the the organization's growth and expansion? Are there certain mile markers you hope to reach within this year or the next five years?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, we are. So, first of all, I mean, our our biggest obsession is just getting you know what we're doing as to be as effective as possible, and and. We, we think we've come a long way, but we're also really incredibly interested in deepening our understanding of, like, like you just asked me, about metrics. Um, but also, you know, we're just trying to make what we do even more magical. I mean, we want to create the Apple quality product for, you know, the future of education and the future of growing up. So that's going to take some time. And, and we are first and foremost committed to developing that, and I think that we look at all of our schools simultaneously as laboratories for the development of that. Um, um ultimately, we want to be able to do that so that we're ready to offer the future project to the whole country. But as we wait for that day to come, um, because that will take some considerable capital and, and scaling readiness, um, even though we're already in seven states, um, you know, we know that there are, you know, thousands and thousands of uh, communities out there and 25,000 high schools. Um, we're planning to launch a larger national campaign that can rally the country around the ideas and the ideals that are at the heart of the future projects. So we are, we are focused on that as well. And we're going to be kicking that off um, in the next school year.
1: That's very exciting. We wish you all the best with that. We'll be checking in with you along the way and, and looking forward to your updates on that. Uh, so we're actually nearing the end of our time here with Andrew. So the best way to reach him and to support the crucial work of the Future Project is through the FutureProject.org, And you can click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details. So, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's been a true pleasure hearing your story. And again, we wish you all the best.
2: Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been a real honor to be part of this. And and uh, yeah, to your, to your last point, you know, we are looking for people all across the country to help support the Future Project in all kinds of ways as volunteers um, and far beyond. So I um, would love for anyone to go to thefutureproject.org and, and get involved. This is ultimately about the future of this country, and I think everyone has to play a part.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Thank
2: you.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.